Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Lord, I know that you have great things in store for us as we kick off 2023. Lord, we pray for those who are here, those watching online, those who are traveling today and with family. Lord, we're all one church body. And Lord, you are doing mighty, amazing things. Lord, have your way today in our life. Lord, move in this place. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. May we connect our hearts to yours. May we hear your voice and may your spirit move however you want to move today. We give you praise, glory, and honor in God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together this morning. Amen. Happy New Year. And I'd just like to share a few scriptures with you to to encourage you in this new year. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? You know that verse. And uh, paraphrasing from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, I press on towards the goal that God has called me to. And last but not least, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Let's sing victory in Jesus. And it also says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's sing victory in Jesus.
up all three today. Hallelujah, Lord.
transition to the preaching of the word, we're going we're gonna to do one more worship song, but I feel like this morning, just some people here, that the church for just some brokenness, maybe circumstances this holiday seasons have just been overwhelming, there's family dynamic issues that trouble your heart, maybe it's something physically in your body that's happening and that you're going through this morning, I just want to tell you, Jesus is here, and one of the names that Jesus goes by is healer. He healed in the New Testament. He heals today. He loved people in the New Testament in the early days of the church. I want to tell you, Jesus loves people today, and he loves you. I can't give you what you need this morning. There's nobody here who can except Jesus. And can I tell you, there's something powerful that happens when sometimes we raise our hands, not as a show, not as we're trying to be these good, you know, Christian people, but as a sign of surrender to just go, Jesus, I need you. Whether it's your heart, your mind, your physical body, your emotions, your spiritual uh, health that needs to be touched and healed by the Lord today, he is here. I believe he wants to be the source for your thirst this morning. Would you sing with us? And as we sing, if you would just have the boldness to surrender to God and maybe physically raise those hands, I believe that the Holy Spirit's about to work in this place, about to do some healing in your heart, mind, and bodies. Whether you're here or you're watching online, maybe you're not even here and you're traveling today, I believe Jesus is about to meet you as we worship together. Mike, would you lead us in this last song this morning?
from Revelation 22:17, this very sentiment let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life this requires an action on our part if you are of a willing spirit to come to partake of all that God has for you and the water of life often specifically refers to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's sing, come Holy Spirit. today. Lord, I pray for amazing healings to happen. Lord, would you touch those, Lord, whose physical bodies are struggling today? Would you mend bone and muscle and tendon and tissue? Would you bring life back to heart and lungs and kidneys? Lord, would you be the air that we breathe with the water that we drink? Lord, we pray for emotional, and physical, and, and mental healing and spiritual healing today. 
Lord, may we be changed and transformed by the hearing of your word. May we apply it to our life. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. We're dismissing our kids right now with Miss Jackie. She's right back there. Holidays are always interesting. You're never quite sure if you're going to have a large group, a small group, a medium group, but that's okay because guess what? We give our best to Jesus no matter the size. Okay, well, you, we're just going to try that again. We give our best to Jesus no matter the size. All right, we've got to work a little deeper today. I see how this is already heading. You guys were up too late celebrating the new year. I can tell. I'm excited to preach to you this morning. Always excited. One of my favorite, favorite times to preach is always the first Sunday of a new year. And I believe 2022 was challenging, incredibly challenging, but incredibly rewarding. As we head into a new year, 2023, I believe the best is still yet to come. Did you hear that? The best is still yet to come. We're going to get back into Acts chapter 3 today. One day, Peter, who was lame from birth to beg for those, from those going to, into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do, I, what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, jumped to his feet, and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to the place, running or the, came running to them in the in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. I want to break the message into two parts today. First, I want to do this is kind of what we've been talking about the last time we were in the Book of Acts. Is we want to talk about uh, biblical doctrinal truths. So I'm going to give you some of that, the technical stuff from the Scripture the background, those kind of things. And then we're going to talk about practical application. When we walk out of this place, how does this word change and transform our life? How do we apply it to our life? Because it's one thing to have the doctrinal truth and the knowledge, but it's another one to then apply it to our life. So can we do both today? All right, so let's get into it. Here's the technical side. The emphasis of Acts chapter 3 and 4 is on the name of the Lord Jesus. A name, of course, implies much more than identification. It carries with it authority, reputation, and power. When somebody says, you can use my name, you sincerely hope that the name is worth using. If an order is given in the name of the President of the United States or the Prime Minister of Great Britain, those who receive the order know that they are obligated to obey if I were to issue those orders in the White House or at number 10 Downing Street, even if I could possibly get into those places, nobody would pay much attention because my name has no official authority behind it in those matters. But the name of the Lord Jesus has all authority behind it, for he is the Son of God, because his name is above all other names. 
He deserves our worship and obedience. The great concern of the first Christian was the name of Jesus Christ. God's son be glorified. And believers today should have that same concern, that the name Jesus Christ carries with it weight and authority. Jesus is good, isn't he? Acts chapter 3 has three stages. Each stage reveals something about Jesus. Let's just look at stage one today. Jesus the healer. This is from verses 1 through 10. The believers were still uh, attached to the temple and to the traditional hours of prayer at the time that we read this passage. Keep in mind that Acts chapters 1 through 10 describes the gradual transition from Israel to the Gentile and from Jewish Christianity to the body made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And if you don't know what Gentiles were, basically everybody else except for the Jewish people. And so at this point in time, the church is really struggling because they think that Jesus is just their Messiah. But Jesus came to be everyone's Messiah. And what we'll see over the next several chapters is this wrestling and conflict that takes place. It took several years before many of the Jewish believers really understood the place of Gentiles in God's program. And this uh, understanding did not come without its conflicts, and we will get into all those in the weeks ahead. As we find in Acts chapter 2, while the Holy Spirit is not named ministry of glorifying Jesus, Peter and John are often found together in Scripture. They were partners in the fishing business. We know because it's in Luke chapter 5. They prepared the last Passover for Jesus in Luke chapter 22. They ran to the tomb on the first Easter Sunday morning together in John chapter 20. And they ministered to the Samaritans who believed on Jesus in Acts chapter 8. Now that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles were no longer competing for greatness. But they were at last working faithfully together to build the church. Can I tell you something? We're not in a competition with each other. We forget that sometimes. Now listen, Wednesday night, we're going to have a little bit of competition at game night. And that's okay as long as it's healthy, right? And we don't want to carry that over into Sunday mornings. It's like, I'm a better grow group teacher than you. Look, that's not the competition. And we're not in a competition with the other churches in our community. We're not here this morning to go, oh, our service is better than your service. You know what I want? Every service to glorify the name of Jesus and to help people connect people with Christ. I'm just going to be obedient to what Jesus called me to do, and we can be obedient to what Jesus called us to do. But we're not here to compete with each other. Peter noticed that the lame beggar is another evidence of the Spirit's ministry. No doubt, thousands of people were near the temple and perhaps scores of beggars. But the Lord told Peter to heal a lame man lying at the, at the beautiful gate. There were nine gates that led from the court of the Gentiles into the temple itself. Scholars uh, don't necessarily agree, uh, but the beautiful gate was probably the eastern gate that led into the court of the women of the woman. Made, uh, made of Corinth bronze, the gate looked like gold and certainly was a choice place for a lame man to beg. Giving of alms was an important part of the Jewish faith, so the beggars found it profitable to be near the temple. Since the believers had pooled their resources in Acts chapter 22, or Acts chapter 2, remember, they all pooled their money together so that they could be about the ministry. The two apostles had no money to give, so this was not just a thing where Peter was being flippant. 
Lord, I don't have money to give you. He literally did not have money to give him. But the money was not what the man needed. He needed salvation for his soul and healing for his body. And money could not provide those things. Through the power of the name of Jesus, the beggar was completely healed. And he was so happy and excited that he acted like a child, leaping and praising God. Sometimes we just need to get excited about the things that God does. All right? Sometimes we got to put a little bit of our dignity aside, and we got to worship like David worshiped. All right? Because he's worthy of that kind of praise. The man was also poor. Um, I'm sorry. It was easy to see this man as an illustration of what salvation is like. He was born lame, and all of us are born uh, lame, unable to walk, to please God. We're all just a bunch of misfit toys, to recall last week's message. The man was also poor, and as a sinner, we are bankrupt before God, unable to pay the tremendous debt that we owe him. He was outside the temple, and all sinners are separated from God, no matter how near to the door we might get. The man was healed wholly by the grace of God, and the healing was immediate. He gave evidence of what God had done by walking and leaping and praising God and by publicly identifying himself with the apostles, both at the temple in Acts chapter 3 and after their arrest in Acts chapter 4. We'll get there. Don't, don't jump ahead. And now he could stand there without question as a whole man before God and others. All right, that's all the technical stuff. But let's talk about the practical lessons that we can learn from this. I'm going to ask my good friend Chris Kafer to come up here this morning. And Chris makes what people, he can't walk. He's been this way his entire life. Years and years and years have gone by. He can't walk. And in the days of the early ch uh, church, his prospects would have been limited. He would not have been able to have a job. His relationships would have been limited. He would not have been able to take part in a lot of the social activities that others did, including spiritual activities. He wasn't able to go into the temple. And everybody was okay with that. Well, think about that for a minute. In fact, if you were lame, crippled, disfigured, the culture dictated what was acceptable. Your only real option for you was to become a beggar. That was your station in life. That became your purpose. So someone, a friend or a family member, would have to bring him to this place each and every day to beg for money so he could survive. That was his entire existence. This was the only contribution he could make. This guy had to be depressed. How many people overlooked him? mocked him, made jokes at his expense, walked by without ever even acknowledging his existence. How many years did this go on for? The same cycle, begging for a handout, day after day after day after day. His only goal each day is, can I fill up my cup to help buy a meal, to pay for his rent? to contribute to bills, to maybe get a new shirt or a new cloak. Here he is asking for money, and he can't even give people eye contact anymore. 
And why was that? Maybe it's because of the shame or desperation or maybe just the exhaustion of the routine day after day after day. Culture said you can't change. This is how it will always be. This is, how, this is what your purpose is. And what he thought he needed was someone to fill his cup with money because he was unaware that there was a Savior who wanted to fill his cup with something so much more. God wants to fill your cup with so much more than what you think he wants to do in your life. We get caught up in so many things that we're like, ah, this has to happen this way. And listen, let's just even take it to the extreme. Let's talk about in the church. Sometimes we go, well, this is the way it has to be. This is the way it has to go. This is how God's going to move. And let me tell you, any time that we say that to God, I believe he gets this look on his face that goes, you think so? You better buckle up, buttercup, because we're not moving that direction. God won't be pegged. He won't, be, he won't be put back into a box. He is infinitely creative, and how he does things is so much better than how you and I want him to do things. But it's frustrating to us because we're just people. We're just a bunch of misfit toys who are broken, who need a Savior. What people really need is not a handout. They need a hand up. What you need is not a handout in your life. You need a hand up. What you need, what people really need, is to have a paradigm shift in their thinking. This guy, all he knew is what culture had told him. Don't blame him. It's all he knew. Don't get mad at him, mock him. He had no idea. What he needed was people walking into the temple that are overlooking thinking. Guy who can't even get in the door. We need a paradigm shift in our thinking that only the Holy Spirit can bring. What we need as people is to stop having culture tell us who we are and what we do and how life will be. What we need as people is a savior that gives us hope, vision, restoration, healing, and salvation. That's what we really need. That is what we really need. But this guy had no idea that it was even possible. Let's go to point number two what the church really needs to offer. Because if we identify what, what people really need is Jesus, then we've got to identify what the church really needs to offer. As others pass this man by or avoided him altogether, that's when Peter and John come on the scene. This is what the scripture says. And he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Here they are. They're on their way to church. They're just, they're, they're going there. They're on their way. This guy's one interaction is what? Please, sir, have mercy on me. Alms for the poor. And the scripture says he's not even looking at him. Peter and John could have walked by and not paid any attention. They could have just said, I'm sorry, we don't have anything to give and kept on going. Peter looks at the man and says, look at me. Look at me. Think about that for a minute. Before anything else, 
They gave this man back his dignity. Before there was ever a conversation about Jesus, salvation, or anything else, they gave the man back his dignity. The church needs to give people back their dignity. People who are lost and sinners need to be acknowledged that they're still living. That's what Peter and John did. They acknowledged the man. Peter looked straight at him as did John. We need to see people, church. Sometimes I think the church doesn't see people. We see through people. We see through them. We see their issues. We see their sin. We see their views. We see their politics. We see their pain. But do we see the person Jesus sees? Because Jesus doesn't care about any of that. He cares about the person that he created. The church has to have a paradigm shift where we stop seeing people for all these other things that they are or they aren't, and we got to start seeing them as a creation of Jesus and that Jesus called us to connect them with him. And the only way to do that is to first connect ourselves with them. And that's what Peter and John were doing. They connected. They gave him back dignity. Do we see the person that Jesus loves? Peter saw that this was a person who had issues. But then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. At this point, this guy is still thinking, these guys are going to give me some, they're going to fill my cup. They got some good, they got a big, thick wallet. That's what they got. That's his expectation, because that's all he knew. People that aren't connected to our church, that aren't connected to the church, that aren't connected to Jesus, guess what their mindset is? It's not going to be spiritually correct. Why does everybody think that the church is out to get them? Why do so many people who don't have a relationship with Jesus think all these things about the church that aren't true? Because that's what they've been taught. And that's what they've experienced. We've got to correct that thinking. The only way we do that is by walking it out the truth. The church needs to help People, our neighborhood, our workplace, our just not their problems, just not their sins, just not their politics. Do we see them? The church needs to see people. Verse six says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter empowered the man. He didn't enable him. The church must learn how to empower people and not enable them. The church's job is not to give people what they want. The church's job is to give people what they need. And that's really different. As a pastor, my job is not to give you what you want. My job is to shepherd you and to help you get what you need. And that often comes with conflict. (laughs) We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. We know from Acts chapter 2 that we are to be generous in how we use our financial resources and we're to use them to be a blessing. So this is not a thing that says, I don't have to financially contribute to the kingdom of God. That is not what we're saying. The church got bashed that in the first, first chapter after the Holy Spirit came. They're like, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to do this thing together. Let's pull our resources. Let's do something great for the kingdom of God. 
That's why I love missions. Let's pull our resources and let's make a difference across the globe. Let's make a difference right here locally. Let's pull some resources. That's why we give our tithes and offerings, to pool our resources and to do great things for the kingdom of God. But sharing the gospel message is priority number one. We must learn how to empower people, not enable them. You don't give drug addicts cash when he's hungry. You take him and you buy a meal for him. When the alcoholic comes and says, I can't pay my, my bills, we don't write him a check. We go, okay, what are your bills? Bring them to us. We'll start working through that. Because if we just gave him cash, what do you think they'd do? Yeah. We want to empower people. We want to empower people. Look, those are, those are extreme cases, but it comes down much simpler, right? Sometimes when somebody comes to me and goes, oh, I want to do this, and we have a conversation, I'm like, well, maybe that's not the next step. You got, you're out 200 steps ahead of this, and it's like, maybe the next step is this step. <laughs> uh, let's get there. Let's get there. I remember uh, having a conversation with somebody. They came to me and said, Pastor, whatever you do, don't ever make me angry, and I'll be a great church member. But if you make me angry, then that's not good, so you better watch out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. One, I am not going to enable you to keep that attitude, <laughs> all right? I'm going to empower you. You're going to overcome your anger. Now, I'm not intentionally going to make you angry. I'm not going out of my way to tick you off, but we got to overcome that because we're not going to enable that attitude and behavior anymore, right? We want to empower people to move forward. What did Peter do? The first thing he did, he said, look, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Here is how we envision ministry a lot of the time. We're like, great, awesome. We come along, we see a need, we meet a need, we walk on, we never give a second thought. God is empowering you, and when you start making an impact in people's life, you are the follow-up. <laughs> You are now responsible. Peter could have gone, in the name of Jesus, I he you're healed, and walk off. He says that, we're gonna get, there's healing for you. Jesus has something for you. His first action then is this. And in that process, instantly the man was healed. It's powerful when we start walking it out. But here's what we do. We go evangelism. Let's just buy a bunch of tracks and give them out everywhere and never have a conversation. Can I just tell you something? It does not work. <laughs> it worked 40 years ago, maybe. <laughs> I wasn't in ministry around then. A piece of paper to tell me that I'm through people. instead of, But you won't take time to get to know me? What are we doing when we do that? We're looking through people instead of looking at them. Instead of getting their attention and go, man, there's something better for you. And let me walk with you. Now, this guy gets touched and changed, and what's the first thing he does? Oh, he leaps with joy and gives God all the glory. Amazing. Amen. And why is that? Because somebody saw him, took the time, and connected with him, and shared Jesus with him. I believe that Peter and John grew just as much as this man did that day. Because they had never done this before. I believe when Peter reached out and said, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. 
There was a part of him going, Jesus, if you don't move today, Holy Spirit, if you don't move, I'm going to look like a real idiot. Look, because they're just like us. They're just like us. Point three, and we're going to end today. Don't leave them begging on the street. Church, we can't leave people begging on the street. The scripture says he jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they were amazed. This guy was healed. Not only could he walk, but he could jump, run, and praise. Think about this for a moment. Not only was his physical condition healed, mentally, there had to be something that happened that Jesus transitioned the guy's mind. How do you know how to walk? I've never seen a baby come out born and like, whew, let's walk. Like, that doesn't happen, right? They barely move for a while. And then they get to the crawling stage and the toddler stage, and it's not really walking. It's really falling forward most times. This guy didn't even have any of those things. He was instantly healed and began to walk. I mean, this miracle is a multi-layered onion of incredible movement of God. So here he is. This guy's healing didn't just impact him. Guess who else it impacted? The whole community. These people who walked by him, maybe never gave him the time of day, all of a sudden they're going, I've seen this guy my entire life sitting outside the temple begging for money. He could not walk, and now he's praising God. How is that possible? It changed everything. But look at this last verse in verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them. Wait, 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 wait. Why is this guy holding on to Peter and John? He can, he's healed. Why is he holding on to them? Because he was healed physically. He knew how to physically walk. That's an amazing miracle. But you know what he didn't know how to do? He didn't know how to spiritually walk. Peter and John didn't throw him to the curb. They took the man with him to the temple. And this guy held on to them. That's a dynamic, real relationship. Church, that's how the church grows. This is how it happens. This is church growth. Sometimes we get so caught up, well, if we just, if we just bring somebody in to do ministry, if we just do this event, and I'm not against events. I'm not, bring, I'm not against bringing people in to do ministry. The church grows when you and I are changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit, and we start helping people to their feet. That's how the church grows. Because we can do all those other things and never see a transition, never see transformation in our community. But when you and I are touched by the Holy Spirit and we say, I can give a little, I can help some people to their feet, I can see people, with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's testimony and a story that I've shared at a small church in Norfolk. And I was the intern. And the first night I was there, I met, a, I met a guy. And their youth group was different. They ran junior high through young adult. Different, different age, different culture. You can't really do that today in most places. Um, but this guy came, young adult. His name was Dewey. Crazy haircut. He had this like duck bill haircut in the front. Crazy guy. Crazy guy. He was a bartender in town at night, and he worked at the local arcade during the day. Everybody in town knew who Dewey was. 
and they knew he was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I met Dewey that night, and they asked me the first night, they're like, hey, can you get up and speak? I did a horrible job. I probably preached for an hour and a half at this youth event, like everybody's falling asleep. I was just so nervous and so scared. They never asked me to preach again at that church, actually. Um, But um, I'm just kidding. But after that night, a bunch of us went to Subway, and I sat across from Dewey. I was asking him questions. And he said, I don't know any of this stuff that you're talking about, but man, whatever fire that you got, I want in my life. And that night at Subway, Dewey Dyke Chandler gave his life to Jesus. And me and a good friend still to this day, Aaron, we, we started doing life with Dewey. And he held on to us everywhere we went. When he wasn't working, he was with us. Dewey began to be transformed by the power of God. I remember somebody told in our church, well, you got to tell Dewey he can't drink anymore. And I said, I'm just going to do whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do. I showed up at his apartment one day. There's these trash bags full of liquor bottles. And I was like, hey, so what's going on, man? He goes, look, I had this realization. If I want to hear Jesus' voice, i got to get rid of all the other voices. And these bottles gave a lot of different voices in my head. So I'm getting rid of it because I want Jesus. Not one person ever told him the Holy Spirit had an encounter with him. Dewey began to be radically transformed. One guy, one guy began to win our city to Christ. He would be at the bar bartending. People would share about all the stuff that was going on in their life. He'd look at him and go, you don't need another drink, friend, but let me tell you what you do need. And he started leading people to Christ at the bar. He started leading people to Christ in the streets. He started taking people into his apartment who were strung out on drugs and alcohol. We can't do this today, okay? He would keep them and not let them leave for three days. They'd come in on Thursday night. They'd stay Friday, Saturday. They'd come to church on Sunday. They would get radically saved, and some of them we'd ship out to Teen Challenge in the next week or two. He eventually quit his job at the bar because he wasn't selling alcohol anymore. It's like it was becoming the second church service in town. He'd be at the arcade, and he'd share with these kids about the love of Jesus. You know what happened to our youth program? It went through the roof. We did an event, car bash. We brought in this old car. We was bashing windows for, for missions. I know that sounds crazy. Again, stuff that you probably could not do today for liability reasons. But we did this event. He invited every kid in town to come. Our youth group went from 13 to over 70 kids. On Sunday morning, we had it set up like this. This entire section was full of teenagers that Dewey had brought to church. Why? Because a couple of us saw him. And we brought back dignity to a man who had none in our community. And then Jesus got a hold of him. Part of this story with you before... I was in the bathroom in the lower level. I can still remember the fuzzy green uh, carpets. You know, the carpets that you get, the little, I don't know what they're called, the rugs things you get for your bathroom. And I remember getting down on my knees 
in front of that toilet and praying to God, Lord, I'm about to intern. In three weeks, I'm leaving for this internship. And I'm asking you for one thing. Help me to change one person's life that can transform that community. Just one. I just want to see one person's life changed. And I poured out my heart for the next 10 or 15 minutes, tears streaming onto that toilet seat. I remember it so vividly. Six months into my internship, that came back to my mind because I prayed and because I was willing. I saw God begin to transform a community. I married my wife several years later, somebody studying for credentialing, and they're like, did you intern in Norfolk, Nebraska? I'm like, yeah. Did you know that we have to read about what happened to you and your community to get our credentials? I had no idea. The pastor of that church wrote to the Assemblies of God and said, something amazing is happening. Let me tell you a story about our intern and this guy who our community overlooked, who Jesus got a hold of, and all of a sudden our community is changing and transforming. On Friday nights, the local coffee house would ask our youth ministry to come in and just hang out and be with people. They asked us to come and hang out. They let us do worship music on Wednesday nights. There was a church up the street that was abandoned, just outside of the community. The local community said, hey, would you guys come and just do something on the weekends sometimes and just do praise and worship and just whatever? And we would go out and do that. God just opened the doors. We had no idea when it all started what the outcome would be. But just see somebody. Buy them a Subway sandwich and talk to them. Invite them to come to church. See what could happen in somebody's life. I want to pray for you this morning as we get ready to leave. Would you stand to your feet? Lord, I believe that healing's already taken place in this room this morning. We prayed for that. But Lord, as we leave here today, we need a transformation in our heart. As we go into 2023, God, we want to be the church you're calling us to be. We got to see people for who they are, just not their issues, just not their views, just not their politics, but they are a creation from the Most High. You spent time investing into their life. We need to see that person. Lord, what if all of us just saw one person this year in our community? What if everybody here just began to pray, Lord, just help me connect with one person to bring into the kingdom this year? What if all of us just had one person that we could help change and transform their life and bring to Christ? How would that change our church? How would that change our city? How would that change life for so many? Lord, I believe that there are Deweys here in Ripon. I believe there are Deweys at people's workplaces. That there's Deweys up here at the Foundry and Lord, at Alliance Laundry. One change, one transformation, one person seeing them, doing life with them forever could change. Not just that life, but so many lives in our community. God, may this be the year May this be the year not about what we did, 
but what you did through this church, what you did through our community. May this year, how we do things, opportunities are knocking at the again. I know that you are the source. And Lord, it is not about this pastor. It is about your people catching a vision and a heartbeat that only the Holy Spirit can give them. Lord, as we leave this place today, help us to see people like Peter and John saw this man. Help us engage. We don't have to have all the magic words to say. All we got to do is love on people. We may trip over our own words. We may fall down trying to, to, to be the good Christian people you want us to be. We might fall forward like those babies. But, Lord, we're going to fall forward. We're going to get up and walk. Lord, help us to be like Peter and stretch out our hand and to grab people, not to enable them, but to empower them to get on their feet and to live for you. Lord, help our church as we move forward. Lord, I love you. I love this church. I love your word. And Lord, we just give you praise, glory, and honor. Hey, could you just begin to just thank Jesus for being an awesome, amazing Savior? Jesus, we love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. Lord, we want to give you all of our worship in 2023. Move in this place in great and mighty ways. May your Holy Spirit empower us to be a real, living, breathing church. May you do what you did in Acts, again, right here at Hillside, right here in Ripon. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Lord, we pray over our offering today. Lord, may we give with generous hearts to the kingdom of God. May we do more than we ever thought possible in our community and around the globe for the kingdom. May you use our little church. Lord, may you bless this bunch of misfits who trust in a savior. Lord, make us whole. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, Amen. I look forward. Come on out Wednesday night, game night, 5.30 to 7.30. Love to have you there. Next Sunday, we've got a great worship experience planned. We will see you back for that.